My name is Diana and this is the Family Finance Show, the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better. Every week we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt and investing for the future. Welcome to the Family Finance Show. Today Warren and I will discuss paying for primary and secondary education for your children. I'm sure that every parent will say that education is the most important thing that they do for their children. And so out of all their spending items, this is probably going to be one of the priority ones. Um, But I think also at the same time, parents have to be honest with themselves about why they choose one school over another. So similarly to how people like to buy flashy cars or go on skiing holidays as status symbols, people can also fall into this trap of choosing a school based on a status symbol so that you can say to your co-workers or your family or friends that you send your child to an elite school. Um, But that's not necessarily the best education, an elite education. There's so many new schools here in South Africa that offer such an excellent education at a really reasonable price. And in fact, I have friends who send their their kids to Nova Pioneer, which is a new school, and they're extremely happy with the quality of education. And I've also heard really good things about Spark schools, Curo, homeschooling is an option. We did a previous episode on that. So Warren, what's your advice to parents on how to balance a quality education with what they can actually realistically afford for their children? It's it's such an emotive uh, t- topic, as you said. And, and I think, uh, you know, I've, I've got a bit of bias here because... Uh, you know, I was fortunate to have the choice as a child to go to one of those elite schools uh, in, in Cape Town and and I decided to not go there because I went to a much better school called Ronnebosch Boys, which is a great public school. Uh, just putting it out there, probably the best school in the world, just, you know, no, no bias at all. Uh, and and part of that, part of my my thinking at the time, uh, if I if I, I can't claim to to have thought very deeply about this, but 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 part of my logic was I didn't want to be in that elitist environment. I didn't want to be in an exposure where, uh, you know, I, would, I'd, I certainly wouldn't have been one of the rich kids in the school, and uh, and and I you know I felt that that already at that that time that that it would have been just difficult. It would have been a difficult environment to be in where. Most of the people around you, you know, are going on big overseas holidays. Their parents drive flashy cars and 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 live this you know luxury lifestyle in massive houses. And then you know, there there I would have been in, in, in sort of you know I think a very nice life, but but by comparison very modest. Uh, and 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 I think I would have felt awkward. Um, and and so for me that was one thing. And 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 the other thing now with the benefit of hindsight looking back is that that we live in an incredibly diverse society in South Africa um, and and exposing your children to that diversity at, at an early age and I, when I talk about diversity I'm not talking just about racial diversity I think that you know that, that, that's that's accomplished now in schools what, what I'm really talking about is socioeconomic diversity so where where you can you know if you're growing up as a child from from very young in an environment where you're exposed to people, yes, that might be financially well off, but lots of other people who might not be financially well off, and you get a better understanding of of what life is really about in this country. I think it equips you much better to deal with the the, the unique situation we have in South Africa. But also importantly, it helps you to deal with a lot of diversity around the world. You know, one of the one of the big advantages that South Africans have when we work overseas is we grow up in such a multicultural environment that when we operate in a global sphere, 
we are used to dealing with lots of different cultures, lots of different languages, lots of lots of different economic backgrounds, and, and so it, it's it's almost um, inevitable that that South Africans who are hardworking rise in in leadership positions worldwide. And so, to me, you know, to take advantage of that diversity as a parent is important, and that means that that I would I would nudge parents to to give their children. Yes, you want to give them the best education, but is an elitist school the best thing that you can do for them. And I, and I think it's a question. I, I don't always have an answer. I, I know my, my own view, but but I think that that's important. And I think uh, the, the financial aspect of this is really critical. You know, where, where the biggest uh, or the most elite schools in South Africa can cost you somewhere around 200 to 250,000 rand a year. There are... It's crazy. It's really crazy yeah. what they cost. And, and they're probably... One percent of the one percenters who realistically can afford to actually pay that and not compromise the family financially, and I think it's important for for parents to be realistic, as you say. But 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 to understand more than that, that you know, there's there's a lot more to just saying, okay, we can scrape by on every cent that we possibly can save and send our child to school. Just understand the pressure that that child is under when you now do send them to that elitist school. That, that yes, they're going to have the education, but they're going to arrive. They're going to look around. They're going to see where their friends go on holiday. They're going to see where their friends live. They're going to see on all the tours that their their friends can afford, and potentially your your child may not be able to afford. And then that you're going to that child's going to come home, and let's say your child is not the superstar academic, so they're not getting the best marks possible. How 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 difficult is it for a child when the parents are really angry with them now because the parents are scraping every cent together, and potentially the child's not a strong academic. Potentially they have to stay back a year. What, what sort of what sort of gift are you giving your child when, when you're placing this enormous pressure on them financially because of, of the sacrifices that you're making in your child's interest? Are you actually doing what's really right for the child? And most of the time, I think the answer is no. You know, giving the, the, your, your child the best balance between financial security, uh, you know, a, a re- relatively unpressurized environment because we live in a pressurized society worldwide and, and South Africa even more so. So taking the pressure off your child to be a child to, to be a young person, to be able to to have fun and grow and learn in the best environment possible, I think is a great gift. So so I think that it's a it's a it's a good uh, it's a good conversation to to have. And and I think once you start to add up the emotional costs, not the financial costs alone, uh, you, you start to understand that there are many great options. And you're right. You know, I think if you look at those Spark schools, Kiro, the, the, there's so many. Um, you, you know, the, the big brand name schools are are there, but. But actually, the truth is the kids that are going to succeed, succeed because their parents put their effort into the child, not because of the school they go to. There are many, many really notable failures who have operated in those big schools, but have come from terrible family backgrounds where, where the parents gave no responsibility, took no responsibility, gave no input, and just outsourced everything of the, of the teaching and the, and, the, and the parenting to a school because they were saying, I'm paying 200000 a year, you look after my child. That's no gift to a child. And, and so I think the answer is, if you take the time, you put the effort into your child, you spend the time on the, the extracurricular learning, the reading, uh, the, the, the engagement with your child. I think w- one thing that lockdown would have taught parents is that the, the, the time and effort you put into your children is massively rewarded uh, by a great relationship, but also a great advancement in the education. So I don't want to say you can send your child to any old rubbish school. I'm not saying that. But I think that we overestimate the value of a great school compared to a great parent. And if you want to know what to do, spend more time on parenting, less money on education, and you'll have a much better outcome for everybody.
So Warren, budgeting and saving for school is so different from tertiary education because your child's going to go to school for 12 years plus maybe some preschool. So I assume it's not something that you can really save for, but it's rather a budget, monthly budget expense that you have to think about. So how do you suggest that parents budget for school? Uh, I think it, so, so budgeting is always about prioritizing. So it's about saying, what can we do with the, the, the money that we've got? There's never going to be enough money to cover every expense. So so I think it's almost a case of saying, okay, what, what do we need to do? Well, firstly, we need to feed our children. We need to clothe them. We need to put a roof over their heads. Uh, we need to make sure that their medical needs are, are covered. And secondly, that we can provide uh, the, the best environment at home possible for, for our children. So, so if those are the most important things, once you've covered those, then it's a case of looking at what's left, what money do you have after that, um, that you can then divvy up between putting your kids through school and also saving for yourself, looking after yourself financially for the future. And, and so that's the kind of order that I would follow if I was looking at this budgeting exercise as a parent is make sure that the, the, the home environment is okay. Make sure that, that, that we're, we're not compromising on, on, on the basics first, and then we can look at, I'm not saying education is a luxury, it's not, but, but the most expensive education is a luxury. So it's a case of saying, if we're not compromising our savings too much, how, how, what kind of schooling can we then afford? And if that works out at 2,000 rand a month, then, then the point is, look around to see what, can, what, what kind of education can you provide your child for 2,000 rand a month. If it's 4,000 rand a month, what can you provide your child? And, and I think that... Don't forget also to include all those costs that you don't think about, like uniforms and books, and maybe they need a laptop or any extracurricular activity. So your budgeting exercise has to be quite thorough. It can't just be the school fees. It's, it's much more beyond that. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's the, the wisdom of a parent coming through. So, uh, so, so you're right. And, 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 and I haven't really done that calculation to see what proportion is, you know, let, let, let's say if your school fees are 2000 a month, how much more should you be budgeting for the other stuff? I suspect it's probably going to be another two thousand rand worth. It's probably you can do a, you know an equal amount for for the, for the extracurricular, but but certainly you know I think it, it must be about prioritizing. It must be about realistic uh, goal setting first, and then deciding once you've got the number, what fits into the number. Don't start with saying we have to send our kids to X Y Z prestige school and then try and make the budget work to that. That that that's never going to work. Do you think parents should ever use their accumulated savings to pay for school? And what about using um, annual bonus to pay for school fees? What do you think about those options? And debt as well. Would you ever go into debt? Like if you can deal with those three options, with, are, they, are they realistic? I think when we look at, uh, at funding school, uh, you know, how you divvy it up, for example, you know, uh, you mentioned debt. So would we look at, uh, at, at using debt? I think debt for, for school education, if there are no other options uh, and you've done all your prioritizing and, you, and you're not going to get, uh, you know, not be able to afford any kind of uh, amount of normal discretionary money, then, then, then incurring debt, if that's your final option, okay. You know, and, and that's the point is it's your last option. It, it just means you have no other options. But you just need to understand that that decision very carefully because what it means is it's not an asset that's going to generate an income stream for you. You know, it's something that's going that's going to cost you money that you're going to have to pay off, um, and and then you've you've created a much bigger financial burden because there are additional costs as you mentioned, uh, you know, that need to be covered as well. And there is no there's no uh, upside to that for for you as the parent after that. In other words, it's not like you've got a future saving that's going to pay you out an income stream or something like that. This is money that will only ever cost 
uh, and and I think that that's a critical decision. So you you make that decision very carefully to use use debt. I think uh, you know I, I, I would try and avoid it almost at all costs. Uh, I think the pressure on everybody is just in, immense if you're starting to fund uh, you know school education with debt. Uh, so so then how how do you do the rest? I think if you can do it from from annual bonuses, that's great. My only concern with annual bonuses is uh, normally an annual bonus is exactly that. It's a bonus. It's not a guarantee. Uh, and so if you're planning uh, for the next 12 years of education costs to cover to, to cover your child's education costs on bonuses to do that, and what happens then when you don't get a bonus? And, and that for me is quite a concern there. So, so I think I would rather uh, fund the, the, the education costs if I'm budgeting. I'd rather fund it from my monthly income because that's a bit more predictable than a bonus. And then use the bonuses, for example, to pay down debt faster or to build up your, your own retirement savings faster. But, but certainly from a budgeting point of view, uh, my, my vote is for, is for the monthly, monthly income that you use to, to fund those costs. Thanks, Warren. Thanks for um, sharing some of the insights about how we pay for our children's education. And thanks for your time today. Thank you so much. It's been great to be on the show. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being. 